You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I am here with my co-host, Lee Fields. Welcome to episode 102 of the MXU podcast. How you doing, Lee? I am fantastic. Good. Well, How are you? We are thrilled. I'm good. Yeah. I just did um, a training yesterday and today at Liberty University for their worship and commercial music students, and it was awesome. Their facility and their team and their staff, everybody was just a pleasure to work with. You talk about some talented, up-and-coming church worship folks. I mean, these guys, the band was completely surprising to me at how good they were, how good their hearts are, how dialed in they are to where they want the church to go, you know, as they move on from here. I yeah. mean, it was it was a great experience. Well, I'm jumping ahead, but based on that, I'm I bet our guest today is excited to hear that cuz that fits in his world perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely. So, we're thrilled today to be joined by our good friend Tim Foot, who is the CEO of the Slingshot Group, which is a church staffing resource that basically helps partner great churches with great people and figure out how to make those connections happen. So, Tim, thanks so much for being here today. I can't wait for this conversation. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Lee. It's great to be on episode, what, 102? I've got some catching up to do. Yeah. (laughs) And Lee, you are dead right that that, uh, what Jeff has been doing today and what he saw is encouraging to me and to all of us at Slingshot Group because you all know there's a supply and demand issue when it comes to leaders in the church right now. And to hear that schools are producing leaders for the next generation is so, so needed and so, so valuable. So that's, that's great news, Jeff. Yeah, it's, I was so encouraged because everything I was hearing from, from the dean on down to the associate professor, to the head of the tech team, to the IT department, it was everybody is just thrilled about how the program is growing and how the facilities are growing. And the, I mean, it's a state-of-the-art broadcast area that they have because because they're so tied in with all their sports and the broadcast of football and every other sport that's happening on campus plus the fact that they're you know the world's largest evangelical university especially when you consider online they have a hundred thousand students online and so they're just they're just going for it and it's really it's really great despite what you may hear about in the news about former leadership that is not the heart of the campus. That's not the heart of the school. It's not about conflict. It's not about politics. It's about Jesus. And it was just so refreshing for me to be around these folks and to get a glimpse into what they're doing. I was I was really blown away. I had I had been here before with Chris um, to play their convocation, uh, which is their basically weekly chapel for all their students. And uh, it's in a big arena, and it was, you know, coming in and out at that time. It was, it was a great experience. But we were just there to do worship for a service. So to be here for a couple of days and see the campus and really kind of dig in with with what they're about, it was, it was really gratifying. I was, I was thrilled to be here. That's great, Jeff. It's interesting. A couple of weekends ago, our uh, VP over our experience division, which is worship and production and digital comm, was uh, with the crew at Cedarville in Ohio. Yeah. 
And similarly, they are putting out great leaders and and great ministry residents. And it was just wonderful to hear what was going on there. And then I just got back to the Denver area where I'm based today from 48 hours in Florida at an intimate gathering of 33 pastors of churches over a thousand. And to hear about what's happening in the local church, uh, their need for leadership, but also the unique mission of each of those churches just gets me all fired up about what we get to do to support leaders, grow leaders, invest in leaders, and find leaders. That's awesome. So, Tim, you're in a new role. You're the new CEO. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast know the founder, one of the founders of Slingshot, our good friend Stan Endicott. So how is Stan? We miss him. Yeah, well, Stan is the guru that he's always been. (laughs) <laughs> and I actually just saw him last week in Phoenix. We had lunch and uh, he is just having so much fun in this season. Uh, he's coming up with all kinds of new ideas and, and crazy things. And, uh, and Stan, Stan is just being Stan, which is what the world needs. Well, you know, he hasn't been on the podcast in, I don't know, it's probably 30 or 40 episodes, but we've asked him every single time if he can be on and he's booked. So he keeps telling us no. He gave us a phone number for an agent. And he's asking for commission on ads. I mean, it's... Oh, well, you, here's something from Stan you would love. He says to me, Stan's been a huge mentor for me, as you can imagine, for the yeah. last 10 oh, yeah. last years. Uh, mentored me into this role. I mean, it's it's him lobbing forward and going north, which are, are both competencies from his book, um, Improv Leadership, that, that ended me up in this new role. But he said to me at lunch, he said, so tell me, what do you miss most about me in this season and what don't you miss? <laughs> and so you know, So I said, yeah, well, Stan, you're always telling me who are your disruptors? Who are those people that think differently, that push on everything and that zag, not zig? And I said, well, you're my number one disruptor. So I really miss your disruptions. What I don't miss are your disruptions. yeah because he's the type of guy you're in the middle of a very important meeting tight deadline coming up got to make a decision and he'll just take everybody and go y'all want to go to denny's let's go (laughs) or he'll say have you ever flown an airplane yeah and then he'll come up with some amazing metaphor that will blow the whole meeting apart and take us in a whole new direction which is exactly where we (laughs) needed to go that's That's awesome Well, we miss him. So when you talk to him next, please give him our love and tell him he needs to come back on the podcast because we're uh, we're game to have him anytime. I will tell him. So before you were CEO, your um, your rise inside the company, you started finding worship leaders, right? Right. Yeah. So when I came on board, late 2010, early 2011, we were we were like five associates just in the worship art space, coaching and staffing. And then shortly after that, we expanded to every area of ministry and then into nonprofit. And I took over the founding division, which was a great honor, which was worship arts. We grew that into experience to encompass, of course, production and digital communications and and all of those areas. Uh, Then as my ministry trajectory continued to change and grow, I uh, moved into taking over our senior leadership division, which is lead pastors, executive pastors, associate campus pastors, all all of those kinds of roles. And uh, so I did that uh, late 2019 through COVID. uh, And then also nonprofit sat in that spot for a while. And then we had some new VPs take over those divisions, which are really excited about. Our executive team is really robust. And then, yes, stepped into this new role as CEO uh, on January 1st this year. 
That's awesome. That's great. So the reason we wanted to have you is um, we wanted to find who we felt like was the foremost expert in the world. You ready for that? In the world about wow. <laughs> salaries for the church technical world. Right. And we reached out to a few senior pastors and thought about, you know, just who are all the people? And then we're like, wait a second, <laughs> Tim Foote is the best person for this because you actually, you represent both. So let's church- be honest though. We reached out to several senior pastors and they were all too afraid, too afraid to have the conversation because they didn't want to have to go there. That's <laughs> so, that's true. That, that is true. I'm, I'm half kidding, but it is it is a delicate topic because, you know. And for those of you guys who don't remember or don't know, all this kind of started with something Lee posted when people were doing their sort of ten year posts, and the original post was, you know, salary of a church production TD in 2011, thirty eight thousand dollars. 2021. $38,000. What's wrong with this picture? So that led to a bunch of conversations. So we thought, hey, nobody better than Tim yep. to help sort of guide us through and navigate how to have these conversations, but even what the state of the union is in this conversation. Yeah. So I followed up that post with like a little selfie video, um, not apologizing. Some people thought I was apologizing, got mad, mad at me for apologizing, but clarifying that I understood that it's more nuanced than a meme, you know, and, and, and it really truly is, and gave some more context around where that came from. And confession, you know, a lot of people asked, hey, where's the data from this number? They weren't questioning me because it, they probably thought it felt right. Well, confession is, I made it up. There was no data, okay? <laughs> now, I made it up from my own experiences of being on church staff for a total of 15 years and meeting literal hundreds of people in these positions, helping dozens and dozens of churches. I've worked with Slingshot before placing people. So Jeff and I have a unique experience, a unique seat, a unique ability and voice in this area that I really thought long and hard, like, what's the number? What's, what's probably the average? And I really felt like it was lower. I actually thought 35 was the number. And I actually typed that out first. And then I thought, just in case I'm wrong, I'm going to add 10% to this. So I changed it <laughs> to 38. And I got hundreds of DMs, literal hundreds. Lots of people telling me how much money they make. And from the hundreds I got, I realized I didn't, I didn't get a, enough of a data section to actually say this correctly. But based on the DMs I got, it's actually lower. It is closer to the 32, 33, it may be, maybe 35. Hmm. So what we want to, a lot of those guys would be glad to make in 38. That's, that's very true. And a lot of the, a lot of, has to do with cost of living, right? Like, hmm. you know, in California, in Chicago, in Seattle, in these cities where it's more expensive to live, it, it may not be 38, although it, it, it maybe it is. Um, the unique thing about church uh, is, Churches look at other churches on what to pay each other, and a lot of times they don't account for things like what zip code the church is in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, th- so that's an interesting thing. And then there's been like these salary surveys that have gone around the past 15 or 20 years, and oh, these things drive me crazy. As a person that was leading a team in my church, 
through different seasons of different executive pastors, I got asked to look at these sometimes, and I would see a church like Saddleback. Now, I love Saddleback, and I called them by name here, so let me clarify. But Saddleback Senior Pastor doesn't take a salary. So, when you get compared to, oh, well, look what Saddleback, the church of 25,000 pays a youth pastor, a worship pastor, or whatever. Well, it's not apples to apples. And the other thing that's not apples to apples is, well, what if the tech director at your church is responsible for multi-campus and seven employees and streaming, and then this other church on this list, well, maybe they just work weekends and do a little bit of audio. So, like those surveys are so hard to compare to. So, I know I'm rambling here, but this will get us going. So, like Tim, what are your initial thoughts about my meme about the uh, about the response video and kind of the state of the union? And and I also want to lead with this. I do think student ministries is is worse off. I think the job they do is more eternal in some ways. The pressure, the hours, I think for student pastors, especially middle schoolers, is is a larger requirement, and I think they're paid less on average is my guess, but you could, you could speak to that or not. And they've got to put up with a bunch of 13 year old boys, which who wants to do that? Yeah. So I've got, I've got (laughs) enough of them in my house right now. (laughs) Yeah. You obviously touched a huge nerve Lee and we, we, you found that you sensed that you saw that and we are in a really interesting time uh, in the state of this nation when it comes to uh, to salaries across the board. And you know, too, and I think you uh, talked about this when you clarified things, it's totally different when you go to other countries. I'm obviously not from 100%. around here. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I thought you were from Southern Alabama. I just... <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of my... What, a thing that energizes me is how do we become a resource for churches in the UK, churches in Canada, churches in Australia and New Zealand. But uh, so that's a whole other thing. But these United States of America are sometimes like different countries too. And uh, when it comes to salary surveys, they, they're only helpful to a point and can sometimes muddy the waters. Uh, for us, we, we often will need to ballpark salaries based on the role, based on the scope of position, based on the geographical location, size of church, size of budget. There are so many things that come into play. Now, your uh, 38K uh, number is obviously an average yeah, you know, yeah. when we do a national search, that that's actually not good stewardship for for a church to invest in a search for a staff member that is is making thirty eight k. That's 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 too low, right? And but but right now, what we're seeing nationally is that the market is actually driving the salaries. What you hit on right. with uh, student pastors and and tech directors and tech staff, there's there's a, a level of position in the church that hasn't moved for years. Yeah. But as the church has mirrored the marketplace, and often we should be setting the trend, but when it comes to uh, uh, salary packages, we're not going to. It's the more the C-suite equivalent in the church that has grown exponentially over the last decade. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, we came into COVID and you know that uh, that the production side of things and the digital side of things, we were catapulted like 10 years into the future with the need for that. And so we're seeing different conversations. Although when churches started meeting again, those conversations and that progress kind of stalled a little bit. And now we're needing to dig into that. 
But we're seeing churches needing to reach when it comes specifically to production leaders. Yeah. Like yeah. you've got to realize, okay, w- this person is holding a huge piece of our, uh, of our mission moving forward. I mean, when you look at uh, when you look at a post or a video that's produced during the week uh, compared to what the the, the live people are watching a live stream on the weekend, you might be comparing that from a uh, thousand, two thousand views to some churches ten thousand, twenty thousand views. Yep. You need to invest money in a specialized position, and in order to get that specialized skill set, you're going to have to pay what the market dictates. Right now. I, I think I referred to a supply and demand issue. What we do at Slingshot on the staffing side, because we also do a lot of coaching too, but on the staffing side, uh, it's harder than it's ever been because of the great yep. resignation now touching the church world. But churches need us more than they have ever needed us because they can't get any candidates. The work that they have to do and the ministry it takes them a- away from, it's just not worth them running their own search. And so as we dig in, we're having to dig deeper. And then when they connect with the kind of specialist leader that they want and need, they have to provide more to get them. And that's salary, that's influence, that's development opportunities, that's all kinds of things. Now, you go back to your student pastor analogy. Uh, When you've got a middle school pastor or high school pastor that can earn more hourly, serving at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's in some parts of the country that are paying like 22 bucks an hour or or crazy stuff like that and that can yeah. be their mission field and they they can switch off at the end of the shift that's where they're going to go and so our issue right now is that we need to tell a more beautiful story about what it means to to work on the front lines in ministry and then we have to reevaluate what we're going to need to pay to get the leaders we need to do the work we need done you just made thousands of people very happy. <laughs> That's very well said. <laughs> yeah. I think I think part of the issue too is and we've all seen this at some level but maybe Tim you've seen it firsthand. You mentioned what happened during COVID and how so many churches who weren't leveraging technology the way they should have been pivoted to be able to do that and so there was this, you know, instant level of just acceleration in what techs needed to know, what they needed to have gear-wise, how they needed to execute, how they needed to do things differently. And when we started back meeting in person and some of the pressure of lockdowns ended, that new job responsibility didn't go away. It wasn't like they just went back to doing what they always did. Now they have two jobs, and nobody that I know of got time and a half for any of that much less got a huge bump in salary because now their job responsibilities their job description the other duties as required by the organization little asterisk in their initial job description essentially ended up being a second job in a lot of cases and the compensation didn't follow so you know it's it's a big it's a big issue i I would like to ask a question based off what you just said so tim how do you recommend that people advocate for raises. So that's a, that's a great question, Lee. And I want to I, I just want to pause on that question and go back to one other thing that you said, Jeff. 
um, and alert any church leaders listening to this podcast, uh, executive pastors or people that oversee uh, those production leaders, and have you consider what it will cost to lose your production leader right now. That's something mm-hmm. you don't want to happen because you've you've got somebody that's been doing two jobs that knows you, that does that does the work. And a lot of churches are looking for production staff and personnel right now. Now, we're very careful in the work we do to be honouring to the kingdom and God's economy. Uh, we, In what we do, we never, ever want to poach leaders. Uh, but but le- uh, staff leaders in the local church want to pay attention to a thing that's called employee branding. And that is all of the leaders that you have you don't, that you don't want to lose. You need to have them feeling like this is a culture we wouldn't want to leave. So we can, we can put a pause in that and come back to it. And to answer your question, how do you, uh, do you approach a pay rise? I think it's to be honestly, to go to your supervisor and say, uh, I love this place. Uh, I love the mission and vision of this place. I love what I get to do here, uh, but honestly, right now, my current salary is not enough for me to live comfortably and and provide for my family, or if you don't have a family, it's just I want I want to know what growth opportunity would look like for me here. Uh, I mean, we coach the leaders we work with that there is always questions to ask. Don't go in with statements, go in with questions. And the big question there is, what would it look like for me to earn a larger salary here and what could we attach that to uh, and come in with the information needed to back that up about what you're doing, uh, when the last time you got a raise was, uh, maybe even some marketplace research because a leader will respond well to that. Don't expect an answer in the conversation. Allow that leader to go away. You're supposed to go away and, and have conversations. But to come in that way and to announce yourself humbly, to say, I love this place, I don't want to go anywhere, but I do want to earn more, gives that gives that leader an opportunity to think through, okay, what are some ways that I can raise this valued leader's salary? That's great. So I, I love actually saying in the conversation, hey, I'm not looking for an answer today. Um, so I'm, and just ask questions and yeah, you're not making demands. You're just starting a conversation. Well, it's yeah. also yeah. affirming, affirming the place, affirming where you are. It's like, yeah. if, if you can invite your, your supervisor into that struggle and into that circle that you're struggling with, then that, that will be that that's always such a powerful thing to, to, to approach it that way. Yeah, and with what we do with production, when you look across the field in different other areas, whether that's touring or integration or other areas of entertainment, you can make double, sometimes triple what we make in the church world. Now, it could require a lot of travel. It could require one mistake and you get fired. I mean, there's a lot of things that come with that, but... How do you bring that up in those conversations without sounding arrogant? Like the arrogant way to say it, I'll say, and then you tell us a, a more strategic way. Hey, if I left this job today, I can triple my salary overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the finessed way to say, Lee, is again, I love the mission of the local church. 
right now I'm struggling to make ends meet because the salary is so low and there are so many opportunities that I could step out and provide for my family if, if this leader has a family or earn more doing marketplace work. I don't want to do that. So I want to know what the pathway here would be to earn more. Now, I've got a question for the two of you. How many of these uh, production leaders are bivocational or doing a lot of contract work on the side to make ends meet? Yeah, um, I w- probably most. Okay. And when I say most, if we talk about the church at large, let's just use America for an example, but it, it applies to all those countries we listed. The majority of churches don't have anyone on staff doing this. And then another majority or the, or the next tier down is probably maybe part-time or maybe some gift cards. You know, like how many of 300,000 churches have full-time production staff? I wish I knew that data. Maybe Slingshot has that data, but I, if I could guess 20,000, does that, does that feel right? So of those, I, I, I overwhelming majority of those are doing some type of extracurricular, whether that's I do one conference a year and I make an extra 1500 bucks and it's my family's vacation or it pays for whatever. Um, yeah. I think, you know, if we take all of those categories, so let's take the the 200-member church in the U.S. or the 150-member church overseas and you've got a, a, a high-level volunteer uh, that wants this to be a part of their um, f- fractional employment, we like to talk about it, people who make up their employment from lots of different areas and they, they want to see some value put behind this, I think that's when you go to the lead pastor because often there might only be a lead pastor and a student pastor or a lead pastor and a, and a, and a worship leader, whatever that is, to say to leadership, how can we value this a little more and make this a contract pay position? Is that, is that a possibility? And here's, what, uh, here's the extra that I could do if I could stop doing as much as what I'm of what I'm doing on the outside. Now, for those that are in a in a low income bracket that are doing full time work at, at at churches around the country, but are doing a lot of contract work, I think that's when you can get real honest. Uh, as Stan Innicott would say, that's when you get naked, and you say, uh, <laughs> and, and you say, this is unsustainable. Uh, what, I, what I'm doing here since COVID is unsustainable with all the other stuff that I'm doing. Now, I know that you're not going to be able to, to pay the full-time competitive salary that I would need, but if, we, if, if you could pay a little more and we could get on a growth scale here, because that's what healthy cultures do, they have incremental growth year over year, um, and they can attach it to metrics, then I could do less contract work have a more sustainable life and put more vision energy into what we're doing here. And what does vision energy look like? I mean, the two of you coach this all the time. It's being about people even more so or as much as gear and growing this ministry. There's so many other things that you can say in that conversation that cast vision for where you would want to take this ministry that give the leader more of a case for putting finances behind these these ministries. That's huge. I want to talk about that and and not skip over it. This may be looked at a little uh I don't know, sketchy because we're talking about church here. 
However, when you're talking about advocating for yourself and your value to the organization, let's be real honest here. With church, where does the income generate from? Families and tithes and offering. If you are able to prove to your leadership team, hey, over the last year, I've recruited and trained 10 new volunteers, and these people would otherwise not be serving in the church. That is straight up dollar value to your organization and the mission of the church. There's just no other way around it to look at it that way. So by focusing on volunteers, their training, and their development, you're you're building your case for the amount of value you bring to the organization other than, other than just making sure the stream happens. Is that, is that fair to say, Tim? Yeah, I would even say um, sometimes you don't even need to connect those dots, Lee. If you connect okay. it to mission and the fact that, hey, I've got this many more people serving in the ministry, uh, uh, this many more families are involved on a weekend. I mean, especially with, I mean, I know it at my my own home church here uh, here in, in Denver. We, you know, we've got so many more people serving in the ministry now since, you know, we've really upped our online stream game. And you know what I love? My 14 and 12-year-old boys are running cameras on a weekend and they love it and they're involved. And if you can, if if you can shine a spotlight on involvement and how what you do, if you can, if you can attach what you do to life change, yeah. and it, and and the two of you know it's not, and those listening, it's not hard to attach what production leaders do to life change at all. Yeah. That makes yeah. the case. That's better. That's a that's the more finesse way to say what I said. Yeah. Can you just be Lee's finesse guy from now on? I think oh, man. There are a lot of conversations that happen that we just need Lee to have a finesse person. I think it'd oh, be good. That's brilliant. Um, I think the, the interesting thing about this thread of the conversation is that we've all been in situations where we can point to, I have, I have people in my mind right now that I know back in their early stage of faith development, once they got involved in serving, that just lit the fuse for so many other spiritual disciplines like community groups or a small group or getting their kids involved in a small group or tithing or you know giving of their time in other ways because once you get in serving you get to see insiders who are involved in the mission of the church and it's irresistible that of course you're going to start to pray more. You're going to want to read your Bible more and be involved in community with other people and give and all of those things. So those spiritual disciplines are all interconnected. And once we can prove that we've helped ignite that flame in somebody and connect those dots, then surely that's a better argument than just, yeah, I need a little more money so I can pay my Netflix bill. Oh, totally. I mean, well, and think about it. Uh, production ministry is a, uh, a, a, I mean, it's a high skill level entry point, but it's it's an easy entry point for those that are new in the faith or just starting to seek. You know, I, I remember um, a baptism weekend we had at, at my home church here in Colorado, and uh, we had a guy on camera. And he was filming the baptisms and he turned to, I think it was the producer at the time. And he goes, I think, I think I want to get baptized. And the producer wow. said to him, 
well, get off this camera and go down there and do it. <laughs> yes. And he did. And it, it was an amazing story of life change with a guy who entered through production ministry. Telling yeah. those stories makes the case about how important this ministry is. And then, I mean, we, I mean, we, know, we know this. We knew it going, coming into COVID, but we know it more and more coming out of that the online experience and the, 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 the evangelistic tool that that is now in the, in the coming years is, is not to be underestimated. That you, any church that invests in that is going to see return on investment. That's good. Okay, so let's now talk about the other side of this and when you should not ask for a raise because maybe your job's actually pretty easy and the role you have doesn't call for an increased salary, even though you make $38,000 a year for the last 10 years. I think those are out there. And, and I mentioned that in one of those videos that I posted on Insta that I know I know some of you out there that that have this and that make that that the weekend's tough, you know, it's busy, but during the week, like you can kind of get caught up on the latest season of the office. Well, it's not latest anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just a lot of time to burn. You're able to freelance, you know, you get three or four weeks of vacation a year. It's pretty easy and it, it, it is what it is. And for those guys, you know, if they go to their executive pastor or another person in leadership and try to have the salary conversation, the worst thing that could happen is for that person to go, yeah, I know that you do you know, your virtual sound checks on Thursday afternoons and you have a rehearsal, but what are you doing on Tuesdays? Like, How are you spending your Fridays? And if, if you can't say to that person, well, here's my calendar and here's how I spend my time, maybe you're job that you're doing doesn't warrant the job description and that's a huge problem and i think it's too easy for some guys in our in our tribe to to coast a little bit so it is it is a thing yeah and you stagnate i think in your skill level i mean if you've got that much time what if you did start to do some extra contract work on the outside bless the church by right-sizing your role but not only that in right-sizing your role and and growing i mean any leader who wants to grow go go new places do new things meet new people and so if if you did that and right-sized your role for a season you actually might step back into your role in 12 months time and totally revolution revolutionize the ministry and i would also say uh lead to your point if you're sitting around catching up on the on the latest netflix series during the week and you've got that kind of time it's time to reignite your fire for that ministry because Mm -hmm. what are ways that you can really try some new things it's like stagnating in your faith journey everybody wherever they are on their journey of faith needs to take next steps in our skill level in our leadership we have to as well that's time to reach out and get some coaching and say you know i'm i'm now starting to feel guilty that i that i can put my feet up at three o'clock every afternoon and i can and i can cruise on instagram to to reach out and get some coaching and either learn learn how to right size your role and and step on the outside and and get excited about something or reimagine your role and how to grow it in a way. It was Henry Ford who said, if if you do what you've always done, you're going to end up getting what you've always got. Oh, man. If you want to grow this ministry, that's 
that's going to be more uh, rewarding than a salary increase. But guess what? You seek first the kingdom, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, all these things. Who said that? Well, who's that quote from? <laughs> I think he <laughs> That's does. the good Lord and Savior right there. <laughs> Most quotable one of all. <laughs> Man, that's really good. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about this. Change gears again. When is it time to leave your job? How do you know? I believe when you've hit a ceiling, when you see that you've you've reached the the the, uh, the top of what you can do there, I think when you're stuck and stagnated and can't get get going again or or move forward or take take next steps, I think when you see that you've become too comfortable, and actually if somebody else came in, they could blow this thing up in in helpful and healthy ways. Uh, when you sense that you're called to something new. Uh, I'm always talking to leaders, obviously, that are thinking through transition. And I'll, and I'll, the first thing I'll ask them, ask them is, do you feel a sense of release? Do you feel a sense of release from this? And do you feel like you're being called to something? Can you leave this place in a healthy way? And can you start a new season somewhere else in a healthy way? And if they can answer those questions in a healthy way, we usually know, yeah, God's doing something in the midst of this. That's good. Yeah, I think Jeff and I both could think of examples of you know people we've talked to and coached that you talk to them and you go, I, I don't know that you should go somewhere else yet because they wouldn't enter that healthy. I, I haven't thought about it that way, but my perception and, and advice to them was like, you, need, you have work to do in some areas of your own life, but I didn't, never thought about how important it is to enter a new job in a healthy way. That's very important. Well, and part of it too is, and this is an, uh, my own personal principle, is if I'm struggling in a role, I want to receive and learn all God has for me in that season of struggle. And I only want to make a transition when I've come through it and I've become a better leader and things are going well. And it's, it's the old adage, don't, don't quit on a Monday. Don't don't quit the day after Easter or you know the day after Christmas, which is when most mm. people in arts ministry want to. It's like yeah. what don't miss out on what God has for you in the struggle season, because that's when you grow most as a leader, and He is always preparing us for the next season. And I think one of my biggest frustrations with leaders in the transitional space, which is what we're in so much, is that the leaders that leave before they're released and before God has done all that he needed to do in them and through them in that season. Hmm. I love that idea of not leaving until you're released. Mm -hmm. I think too many times we're trying to just sort of make decisions based on how we feel. Right. And that is so, I don't want to say dangerous, but it can be dangerous to not be, not have the self-awareness to know, oh, wait, this isn't necessarily a permanent or a bad or a long-term situation. It might just be where God has me because of, because of what he's trying to teach me. So that being said, you know, we're, we've been talking a lot over the last few weeks about health, and we're in the middle of an MXU 75-day health challenge where from now until Easter, we've got 1,500 people who are on board with us in terms of getting more healthy physically. Love it. So for somebody who is unhealthy in some of these other ways, and they're starting to realize that there might be a problem, 
how do you go about encouraging guys to not only get maybe a good mentor or a good coach, but to know when they need to go see a counselor or really get the help that they need? Yeah. So, it, you know, in our coaching work, and I know for the two of you, there's a there's a moment that comes where you go, okay, it's time to get into to some therapy or some counseling. This is beyond a coach's role. But I would say, uh, and I, I bet you you guys would agree with me, everybody in local church ministry should be in counseling at some point or another. 100%. Well, well, because it, yes. it, it really gets into our stuff. And, you know, it's, it, it's like what you said before, Lee, those, those guys or gals that are, that are uh, doing their job in, you know, limited hours a week, that they've got lots of time on their hands, deep down they know. Deep down, they know that they're not bringing their best self. That's not how you want to spend life. But attending to your own spiritual health and emotional health is a gift to the people you lead, and it's a gift to the church. So I would start, I'm a verbal processor, mm. I would start by just having uh, great friends that you connect with in, in, in your role at other churches that you connect with at least monthly in some kind of a, a, a Zoom cohort or group and be the instigator of that. I think that's where it starts. Secondly, uh, to have a, a, a development plan uh, that's part of your role. I mean, you might be a volunteer at your church. Perhaps the first investment you could encourage leadership to make is to allow, is to, is to fund coaching for you uh, and to reach out to somebody who's better at your craft than you are. I mean, that is the most energizing thing and has been for me over the years. And thirdly, at some point, get a relationship with a counsellor because every time I've gone to a counsellor not thinking I had much to work on, guess what? Yeah, <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's always deepened my leadership and it's always prepped and helped me deal with stuff that needed to get dealt with. That's great. You know, one thing we see... Um, with church technical leaders is there's there's an end of the runway on that job when it comes to life stage and finances. And w we see typically somewhere in the 28 to 35-year-old range is in general, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities here, but that's about the time they they jump ship and then maybe leave vocational ministry altogether and go into a different field. And I think that's actually okay for some people, because if you think about the nature of the role and church and the average size church that does high production value, so it's say church of 800, 1,000 people, there's a lot of those. Yeah. Those churches should not pay that role 60, 70, 80, 90, $100,000, you know? And if you live in a city and the needs for your family, are to pay for kids college and provide and buy a home then at some point i think you have to make that decision of what's best for you and your family and that may involve having that conversation like you said but it may may be different it's it's not can i get a raise it's hey i love this place but my family's coming to a season where it may be time for us to transition mm. i i i'm making a rhetorical statement i think but like I'm, yeah. I'm verbal processing all this too. So just tell me what you think of that. 
So it's interesting to look into hiring practices like uh, what Jeff Bezos put into, into process at Amazon. And he's all about rotating staff in like three to five years because they want them to come, they want them to grow and they want them to move on. And I, and while I've had long-term ministry in the local church, which I've loved, and that's why we do what we do at Slingshot because we want people to have long-term ministry as God wills it, sometimes yeah. it's right to move on and to know that, hey, uh, this isn't sustainable, the church can't afford more and actually it'd probably be good for another person to come in and mm-hmm. and take this where I can't take it. But on the flip side, and I know this has been the story for you, Lee, and you, Jeff, you you ended up bringing so much more value in other areas. You know, the, the tech leaders that I've seen that have stayed long term and have, se- and have seen their compensation packages grow are the ones that have actually grown their role and they become a part of the creative team. They become a trusted uh, advisor to often the lead pastor and yep. they'll look over the lead pastor's message notes and provide mm-hmm. production tips and they'll step into different areas. It's, it's, uh, it's being able to, to diversify and generalize as well as specialize and step out of your area of expertise and bring up value in other areas. How are you supporting and raising up tech leaders in family ministries? How are you bringing uh, creative thought and and ideas to the overall branding of the church? How are you advising, and these are for, for, for bigger churches, but as volunteers too, how are you advising church leadership on how to maximize what's unique about the thumbprint that the church you serve at has been designed to place on the kingdom? It's thinking beyond your role and believing that you can bring added value, which will only get you more excited about the mission and vision of the local church. Yeah, I can use myself as an example there. And I'm not saying this braggadocious. I'm just for context, because I worked at one of the largest churches in America. I had a extremely good salary. I was able to provide for my family, buy a home, but I had to do exactly what you just said. I started off as the audio guy and I did not make that then. And then I had to actually get out of quote unquote, the tech department and become executive worship pastor, programming conferences, started a ministry school, multiple campus leadership, you know, was on the executive leadership of the church. So you're right. Like there is a path to that, to make a career out of that, but you do have to do exactly what you just said. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, man. What a helpful conversation. I love that. The answer is not just go quit your job because it's hopeless. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think no. too many people, too many people who saw that meme thought, "Oh, well, Lee just wants me to quit." That is not what we're saying. No. And I no. hope that anybody listening will hear that loudly and clearly and has gotten some really good advice on how to navigate these conversations in a healthy way. Cuz I think that's what we're really about is how can we deepen our relationships? How can we uh dig in where we are in a in a more effective and better way that's going to honor what God has for us in this season and the seasons beyond. What are we doing to pour into the people coming up behind us? How are we developing the next leaders who are probably going to be better at the skill than we are because they're young kids and they've been playing video games their whole lives and so they're going to get the tech in a in a more efficient way than we did, but we can 
pastor them and mentor them and lead them in ways that we never thought would be the opportunity for us to have. So I think, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's not, uh, what was me? It's not demoralizing. I think it's the opportunity is there for us to seize it. And I think that's great. Let's be honest. How ridiculously awesome is it that there's even opportunity to have this be your job? I know. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. And personally, as I watch my middle school boys, 12 and 13, excel at running cameras, you know, mobile cameras in a live event, where else do you get a chance to do that these days? The, The local church should be raising the next generation of church production leaders, generalists and specialists, and populating the marketplace. This should be where they come from. And, you know, as we build teams at Slingshot, one of the, the main things we are, we are energized by, passionate about, is healthy culture in churches and nonprofits so that leaders can thrive. What I love about what MXU is doing, you're working on healthy culture in production leaders and production ministry internationally. And that's a gift to the kingdom. And so I appreciate that, that that you two are having these conversations and leaning into what, I mean, just the, the physical health thing and the emotional and spiritual health thing. I mean, that is such a gift to production world. And for, for, for you to be bringing these issues up and leaning into them in a healthy way is, is fantastic. Thanks, man. Well, thanks. Appreciate that. We're trying, just doing what we know how to do. You know, it's just having. We all we do is just record conversations we would have at a pub. That's I love it. it. <laughs> and then just put them on the internet. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was just thinking. Uh, this is risky to publicize this, but I got a. I got an idea of how we can partner together with you guys on this. Uh huh. What if we come up with an actually useful salary tool for churches and production leaders? Let's work that. Let's crack that code. Let's at least try it. Maybe it it will cause more problems and we'll decide it's a bad idea. But like, let's try it. Maybe. <laughs> I, lo- I love that, Lee. Okay. You, awesome. You've you've started something now. I know. There there it is. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you so much for doing this. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. I will have I will talk to you guys anytime. Well, the feeling is mutual for sure. Well, I wish Stan Endicott would say that. He just keeps telling us no. So I'll make sure he says yes. I know. He should at least take us to Denny's. We bought him stock in Denny's. I know you did, and that's the problem. I mean, you want to have this conversation in a pub, he's going to want to have it in Denny's. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> he might bring a Budweiser into Denny's, knowing him. <laughs> as long as there's ketchup at the table, he'll be fine. And Thousand Island dressing. Thousand Island. That's, that's right. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Tim. It's been awesome. And we look forward to doing this again soon. Great being with you both. Keep doing what you're doing.